My name is Claude, as, uh, as my wife already mentioned, and so I am uh, excited to be with you this morning and excited to uh, see what it is that the Lord uh, has for us this morning. We're, uh, we're actually concluding uh, a series entitled Consider the Source, and so uh, the series is really a, uh, a culmination, if you will, of the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians. And so this morning, uh, the message is entitled, How to Handle Your Hunger, How to Handle Your Hunger. And so we will conclude the service. Next week, we'll begin uh, an Advent series that you won't want to miss. It's going to be uh, great. And uh, as already mentioned, this is a unique Sunday, and we're really excited to, to partner with Convoy of Hope. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If you have the YouVersion app, or if you have neither, and you just want to follow along on the screens, it'll be projected. I'm going to read uh, the final section of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which is verses 12 through 20. So here we go. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral, immoral, sorry, sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We're thankful to be in your presence. And we pray that we would have uh, a profound um, visitation from your presence and from your spirit this morning, that you would uh, be with us here in this place and that we would leave this place having had an encounter with you to be forever marked by it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for those of you that, that don't know, if you're new here, the, the children follow along with uh, the series that we're on. And so you might be a little bit nervous. We're talking about sexual immorality. Oh my gosh, are the kids going to be talking about that? They're going to be talking about how to handle their hunger. Okay. And so although they'll be uh, true to the scripture, they're not going to be <laughs> having questions about sexual, sexual immorality. So, whew, okay. Um, it's all age appropriate around here. So, um, as I considered this idea of how to, to handle your hunger, because the reality is, although Paul is addressing sexual immorality in this uh, section of scripture, uh, it goes far deeper than that. Uh, hunger goes beyond simple uh, sexuality. In fact, as I started considering the reality of hunger, I was reminded of my youth ministry days. So I spent uh, 10 years as a youth pastor um, prior to becoming an executive pastor and then eventually moving out here to, to be a part of a team that launches this church. But in those 10 years of youth ministry, there were moments, as you can imagine, that were absolutely absurd on so many levels of just what teenagers are capable of and, uh, and even the teenagers probably in this room that are capable of. Uh, but in either case, there was... a one time in particular, I was talking with a group of guys and we had a guy's group together and I was just talking about how it's physically impossible to drink a whole gallon of milk. And, uh, and they're like, no, it's not. 
And I was like, no, yeah, like it's literally physically impossible. Like, uh-uh. I'm like, okay, so there's this thing called science, all right? And there's this reality that your physical body cannot handle that much lactose. And like, no, dude, you don't understand. One of the guys, big guy, uh, he was 6'5 in high school, a lineman on the varsity football team. He goes, Claude, I don't think you understand, man. Like, I love milk. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think you understand, man. Your body doesn't, all right? So you might love milk, but it's not going to stay down. You cannot physically drink a whole gallon of milk. He's like, I can. I'm like, no, no, dude, you can't. And he's like, no, I really can. Like, I love milk. Like, I'm always hungry for it. Like, I always want milk. Like, sometimes in the morning, I'll eat the cereal, and I'll just keep pouring extra milk in. Like, I probably drink a gallon of milk every morning with breakfast. I was like, okay. Self-deception is amazing. And so he's like, I don't care. I'll, dr I'll drink the gallon of milk right now. Like, this talk about milk. I love milk. I'll have milk right now. I was like, you're not going to do that. He's like, why? I was like, because I'm not going to talk to your parents after you vomit all over the place because you can't drink a gallon of milk. He's like, call my parents. I was like, what? He's like, call them, ask permission. They know I drink that much milk. It's like, okay. I'll call that bluff all day long. That was like <laughs> one of my most fun things ever, right? Oh, accountability with parents and entertainment? Deal. So I, I call him, and it was probably on a rotary phone because that's how old I am. You know, like, I don't know. I had a beeper when I was first hired. But in either case, um, I go over, I call, I call his parents, and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, no, he really does love milk. I was like, really? They're like, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, he can go ahead and do it. I was like, no, but I think, I think it's going to make him vomit. Like, it's, it's physically impossible. They're like, that's fine. He'll learn his lesson. I was like, are you sure? Like, yeah. Yeah, if he wants to drink milk, like he hungers for milk all the time. Like he always wants milk. He's always want, we go through six gallons a week, Pastor Claude. You don't understand. Sometimes I take a trip in the middle of the week and buy more gallons and his friends come over. I was like, okay, dude, it's on like Donkey Kong. I will, I will thankfully and joyfully drive down and buy some gallons of milk because the, there was another kid there that was convinced as well how much they just absolutely love milk. So I called his parents and they're like, yeah, go for it. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It's like I wanted to be entertained, and the Lord just gave me a blessing today. And so uh, I go out and buy two gallons of milk, and uh, we go down into a tiled room where there's a sink. And they're like, why are we going down there? I was like, because you are going to puke your packet, all right? It's going to all come out. And they're like, oh, no, no, man. And they're like, D what do we get? <laughs> That's the way they sounded. <laughs> I'm not that far off. What do we get if we drink this whole gallon? I was like, if you drink the whole gallon like, and you keep it down, yeah, yeah. I was like, I will give you $100 each. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, let's make it 1000 I was like, it's physically impossible. They're like, dude, 1000 bucks, 1000 bucks. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 1000 bucks. And uh, I get to get entertained uh, if you don't. So in either case, uh, it's started right away. Ready, set, go. Here we go. You're going to drink milk. And uh, the only deal was that they had a half an hour to drink this milk because you had to put a time limit on it because otherwise I'm sure they would have nursed it for like a day. So I was like, you got a half hour to drink it. They're like, all right, I don't care. So they just start chugging. Like they're just drinking it. And all of a sudden it turns like into a competition against each other. And they don't even care about the time frame because they're convinced that they can consume an entire gallon of milk. And so right about half a gallon, which by the way, was impressive. Like, I mean, I don't know that I could have gotten halfway there. Uh, about halfway through, the one guy goes, I don't, I don't think I can drink anymore. And the bigger guy's like, dude, I, this is not even phasing me. I love milk. And then I'm looking at him like, am I sure like anybody? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> What's wrong? Like, could he, is he going to do this? I'm thinking, I don't know how to tell Meredith we're out a thousand bucks because that dude guzzled a gallon. <laughs> She'll be like, seriously? So it, the one kid just stops and he's like, I, I can't, I can't drink anymore. And, and I was like, are, are you sure? I mean, cause you said you could, I mean, you said, and he's like, no, I know my limits. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was like, sure. Just a little more, a little sippy sip. He's like, no, no. I was like, so you're officially out. He's like looking at the other guys like, oh, I don't know. He puts it up to his mouth and kind of takes a little swig and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to be sick. I can't, no, I, I, I can't. And he's like, dude, you're a wimp. You're such a wimp. This is no problem. And so he takes another guzzle of it and just fountain, you know, like makes it to the, to the uh, sink and just vomits in the sink. And we're like, well, he hit his limit. And so I'm looking at the other guy. He's like, okay, he's got a weak stomach. Huh? He's like, oh, a little problem there. And he drinks a little bit more. I'm like, holy cow. Like he's guzzling this thing. And so he's a little bit past half a gallon and I'm getting a little nervous. And then all of a sudden the moment happens, you know, like, and it, we've all been sick in the room before, like that moment where you're like, ah, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden, You know, and so he's sitting there, and he's like, I'm like, what's wrong, man? You good? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Little sweat beating up, you know. I'm good. I love milk. I'm like, yeah, I know you do. You want me to get another gallon? Maybe I should have gotten chocolate, you know. And so he's sitting there, and he's kind of like, uh, huh. And so he pulls it up. He's looking at it, and there's only about <laughs> this much left, about a quarter of the, the gallon. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think he's setting some type of world record with his consumption. And so... In a moment of brilliance, he decides, if I can just get this all down, I can fight through it. And so he tips it back and starts chugging, and then he pukes in to the bucket. As, as he's doing it, just like, boom, shoots up, comes out, out his nose. I swear it came out of his eyes. Like, just, just like, you know, if you've got a weak stomach, sorry. Uh, but in either case, it was in incredible. It was incredible. And I was like, I thought you could do it, man. I thought you could do it. He's like, I guess I can't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's amazing how we think, like we have that saying, too much of a good thing can be bad, right? But we just kind of say it flippantly. And uh, there are moments in life that our hunger, when it gets out of control, is destructive. It's destructive, it's messy, it's more than we bargained for, there's consequences. Everyone around us is affected. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. How do you handle your hunger? How do you handle your hunger? It's something to consider because, you see, we all have hunger. I want to encourage you this morning really to not limit your thoughts simply to food. And to even not limit your thoughts simply to sexual immorality, which is what the text is about. It's about something even deeper. At face value, it's about fleeing sexual immorality, but we're really talking about a hunger that runs deeper. So let's not limit our thoughts to food this morning. When we hunger for something, the reality is we desire it. We desire it. And that goes beyond food. And in the context of hunger, we can all relate to this idea of it being part of humanity. So this isn't a churchy issue. This isn't a Christian issue. This is a humanity issue. We all have hunger. We all have desires for things. Maybe we hunger for food and that's normal, right? It's healthy. We need food in order to survive. No one's going to argue that. But sometimes our hunger for something goes beyond what's considered a healthy appetite. It goes beyond that. Aren't you happy that we're talking about this at Thanksgiving time? 
right? Some of you guys are like, what? I know. Because <laughs> we've, we've all been there. Like food is the easiest example when we start talking about this concept of hunger because we've all at some point overeaten. It doesn't matter how small your stomach is, you know, and I know that there's some of you out there like, oh, I'm just a little thing, you know, I eat like a little bird. Yeah. Oh, I'm full. I had a whole cracker. Yeah. God bless you. But the fact is sometimes you have two crackers and you're stuffed in your tummy, you know, so it, it, it doesn't matter who you are this morning. At some point, you've hit a point of full and you take one more bite and you're like, what have I done? What have I done? Why did I do that? Like, I wanted to enjoy my food so much, and yet now I regret that last bite. So I want to submit to you that our unhealthy appetite goes beyond food. In fact, our hunger leads to sin. Now, maybe it is food, and there's a name for that. It's called gluttony. When you overeat, it becomes gluttony. Maybe for, for some, when you overdrink, it turns into sin, which is drunkenness. In some cases, your hunger and your desire for sexual things lead to sexual sin, sexual immorality. And this is what Paul is actually addressing when we try to justify our hunger. We try to justify our hunger. Verse 12 says this, he says, all things are lawful for me. And it's in quotations. The reason why it's in quotations is because he's actually quoting a Corinthian slogan. And so he's telling them, hey, all things are lawful for me, right? Like he's quoting them. And then he says, but not all things are helpful. And then he quotes them again. Hey, all things are lawful for me. And he says, but I will not be dominated by anything. I love the way he responds here. And at face value, you might miss it. But what he's saying here is, is he's revealing a profound truth. He's saying that when we function to do whatever our body wants, we actually become enslaved to our hunger, right? So you can do whatever you want, right? Isn't that so freeing? Because the, the, the Corinthian church was just saying, hey, listen, we have freedom in Christ. We can do whatever we want. We have freedom. And he's saying, listen though, um, do you realize you're being dominated by your hunger? That you're actually becoming enslaved to your hunger, that when you function according to your body's desires, your body's desires actually enslave you. Listen, one commentator says it best. He says this, he says, true freedom is not permission to do anything, but from not being enslaved by anything. If you want freedom, freedom comes when you're not enslaved by anything. Because we could say, listen, I can do whatever I want. I mean, come on, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, you can't tell me what to do with my body. You can't tell me, if I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat. Like, I deserve that. You gotta be kidding me. I enjoy it. And listen, there's not a lot in my life that I enjoy. And so this is for me right now. Justification. So how do you handle your hunger? I wanna tell you this morning, our handle, our hunger handles us. How do you handle your hunger? Your hunger handles you. You're enslaved this morning. Welcome to Centerway. <laughs> it's, it's a reality. It's the reality that we all function in as human beings is that we are enslaved to our hunger. We are enslaved to our desires. Uh, author Tim Chester defines what uh, he calls source idols. He calls source idols. And he talks about these idols of power, which is control, security, comfort, or approval. 
He breaks them down to four source idols that, that we lean into a desire for power, security, comfort, or approval. And in the context of this morning, he actually illustrates it well because he talks about these source idols in the context of sexual activity and says, listen, our sexual immorality, that, that we engage in sex in a, in a sinful way when we leverage it for power, when we use it for security, when we engage in it for comfort, or when we surrender to it for approval. But it goes beyond that. These source idols are... They're any part of sin at the core. When, when we're talking about our hunger, we're talking about feeding one of these idols. You see, as you worship these idols, as you give worth to them, you become enslaved. You become enslaved to them. So as you hunger for comfort this morning, maybe you overeat. We even have a name for it that's almost like fun. Like, oh, I'm comfort eating. Like it's a thing in our society. Like I'm just comfort eating. Oh my gosh, I know, right? Totally. So as you, hung, as you hunger for comfort, maybe you overeat. As you hunger for security, maybe you get drunk to numb your senses. As you hunger for approval, maybe you compromise your standards in hopes of being accepted or loved. As you hunger for power, maybe you turn into to pornography or other things to get control. I don't know if those illustrations are something that resonates with you this morning, but you see the examples are simply symptoms. They're symptoms of something that runs far deeper. Maybe your symptoms are different this morning, but I guarantee you struggle with one or more of these source idols. And chances are you're trying to justify it. You're trying to justify it because that's, that's what the Corinthians were doing. In verse 13, he does another quotation. He uses another Corinthian slogan and says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. It was an excuse that they would use to, to have gluttonous parties, to overeat. They would literally um, eat, 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 vomit, come back in, eat, 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 because they love the taste, they love the food. And so they would go out and eat and come back in and they would have these parties where they would just vomit and continue to eat. Gluttony at its worst. It's more than really our mind can comprehend in our society. Because the other thing that was happening in, in this Corinthian community, the, the secularization of Corinth is something that we really can't process in today's day and age. They would gather together in these parties and as they were eating and vomiting and eating more, there would also be prostitutes around and they would engage in sexual activity as well. It was just a house party, just a house party. Like what? What is going on? And the Corinthian believers, the members of the church were going to the cultural parties and saying, but come on, like we're in Corinth. Like this is what we do. I, I can love God and still engage in this, right? I mean, after all, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. And then Paul responds and says, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He kind of flips it. The gluttony and the sexual activity was running rampant as Christians were being influenced by the culture or really the reality is they were carrying the culture into the church. And they functioned in Corinth according to a lot of Plato's teaching. 
And so one of the things that Plato taught was that your body and your mind were separate, that one did not affect the other. So you could be spiritually in right standing. You could have your spiritual body be perceived, uh, Um, protected and you could engage in whatever you wanted with your flesh because at some point you'll die and your spirit would remain. And so that was a a platonic teaching. Okay. And so that's kind of what they're leaning into culturally. They're saying, wait, there's a separation. I can do whatever I want with my body. I can eat because I'm hungry and eat as much as I want. And when I want to have sexual activity, I can just engage in sexual activity with, with prostitutes or whatever it is that I want. It's fine. It's socially acceptable. And because it's socially acceptable, it's not affecting me. And Paul's saying, what are you talking about? There's no separation from body to spirit. One directly impacts the other. And the truth is, if we just wait a second and just rewind our life, or if you really want to be good and spiritual, think of someone else. (laughs) I put that in quotes for those listening on the podcast. (laughs) Think about doing whatever it is that that you want or whatever it is that they do with their bodies. And then try to pretend for a second that it doesn't affect their psyche. That in some way they're not emotionally impacted by the physical decisions that they've made. It seems absurd, right? And yet the Corinthian church was leaning into that in order to justify them doing whatever they wanted. And the irony that is at play is that they were saying it's a freedom that they possess. And Paul is saying, you're enslaved to your hunger. And I want to tell you this morning, we're enslaved to our hunger. And so if you say, listen, I don't want to become a Christian because I don't, I don't want all the things that come with it. Like I'll have to stop doing this and I'll have to stop doing that. I'll have to stop being a slave. Here's the deal. You don't even have to stop being a slave. You don't even have to stop those things because Christianity isn't about trying to control your behavior. It's about coming into relationship with a living, loving God. And allowing him to transform your heart and mind so that the things that used to be attractive, that used to have excitement and hunger associated with it, suddenly don't make you quite hungry some more. That moment where all of a sudden you're looking and you're like, yeah, I think I want some more. Yeah, I just don't feel quite right. <laughs> Something's wrong. Verses 15 through 17, Paul goes on. And he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. He's saying, listen, there's consequences for your physical activity. You can't divorce them from your spirit man. He goes on and says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Paul's just clarifying. The body and spirit can't be separated in the sense that one directly impacts the other. At some point, our our bodies will die, but we carry the consequences in this life with the decisions that we make, and it impacts our spiritual man, our spiritual woman. We can't separate it. In fact, some of us know it too, too well because you're literally crushed by the reality of that. You feel the guilt associated with it, the regret associated with it, the grasp for power, the grasp for approval. And so you searched for approval and you made compromises and and poor decisions and then you found yourself in the wake of the consequences of those decisions and you didn't feel any more approved. You didn't feel any more loved. 
You felt like a slave that had been abused because you were enslaved to your hunger and you were worshiping an idol. Verse 19 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. Your body is not yours to do with as you please. I got to tell you, in our American society, we don't like that. Like, wait a second, you can't tell me what to do with my body. This is my body. It was very similar to the Corinthian culture. And Paul is saying, listen, if you believe in the truth of the gospel, that, that perspective has to be flipped upside down. Because that's a, that's a cultural thought, not a biblical thought. And so if you want to know the biblical thought, the biblical thought is our bodies are not our own, which means we're to be good stewards of our bodies. Listen, we will be held accountable for how we take care of our bodies. It's a reality. That when we engage in a certain way, that there's sin associated with the consequences and the implications of how we treat our body. I want to tell you, some of you, some of you have a, a direct call from God, a way that the Lord is whispering for you to be active in the kingdom of God and the decisions that you're making with your physical body is actually shortening your life. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in the latter years of their life or facing some type of, of disease that is taking their life and they're saying, listen, there's just not enough time. If I could go back, if I could go back, I would have quit doing that. I would have stopped doing that. I would have never entered into this. I'm, I'm reaping the consequences and God has a plan for my life that I think is 10 years long, but I've only got a year left. How's that possible? We have the capacity to shorten our lives. And I think it's an affront to what it is that God wants to do in and through us. And listen, I'm not just talking this way this morning. Like this is impacting me greatly too, because we all have hunger. We all have it. Now, before you exercise fanatics, start high-fiving each other and being like, see, I knew it, our body's a temple. I take care of mine, you don't take care of yours. Like, <laughs> where you guys like thinking all great about yourself and super excited. I want to say that the Lord knows your heart. Do you work out as a form of worship and stewardship of your one and only body? Is it an act of worship to take care of the temple that God has given you? Or is it to look strong? and serve your power idol? Is it to look attractive and serve your approval idol? Isn't it amazing that you can do the right thing for the wrong reason? That you can be doing the right thing, but I'm taking care of my body. I'm abstaining from this, I'm abstaining from that. I'm taking care of my body because look at how beautiful I am. The right thing for the wrong reason. Sounds an awful lot like we can't win, right? It's because we can't, we're doomed, God bless. <laughs> we're destined to feed our hungers but the story doesn't end there verse 20 says for you were bought with a price so glorify God with your body Paul is saying because then consider the source Paul is saying listen have you considered that maybe what you're hungering for is never going to fill you up? The thing that you're, that you're running after only leaves you more hungry than when you went after it before? 
None of us are without sin in this room, and we've all engaged in some form of sin that in the moment feels like, this is right, this makes sense, and then afterwards we're left empty, saying, wait a second, that didn't seem to pay off. That didn't seem to to provide what it is that I was desiring. I'm still hungry. There's still a hole in my life. And Paul's saying, consider the source of what it is that your body and your soul actually craves after. And the price he's talking about, for you were bought with a price. He's using this amazing imagery of slavery in the context of being enslaved to hunger. And don't miss it this morning because it'd be real easy to say slave equals slave. But, but he's saying, listen, are you enslaved to your, to your hunger or are you a slave that has been bought with a price? Because get this, in this society, there were levels of slavery interaction. And to a, to a slave that was purchased by an owner that loved them, they had the capacity to look at them and say, listen, you're not property to me. In fact, you're an heir. And so I am now bestowing on you my wealth, my strength. So you now are called my child. That you had the capacity when bought by a kind and loving slave owner to be able to walk in the fullness and the benefit of that family. And what Paul is saying here is, listen, you were bought with a price. The price was Jesus's blood. That Jesus lived the sinless life that you and I cannot. And he died a death on a cross. And in that moment when he breathed his last, He laid aside his comfort. He laid aside the power that was due him as son of the living God. He laid down the security of heaven and he set aside the approval of man so that you and I would never have to search for those things. He paid the price and then calls us son and daughter of the living God. We walk in the fullness of security and strength and comfort and power because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so we don't have to buy into this lie that we hunger and thirst for this this world, this plane, because we're always going to be hungry. But if instead we would walk in the fullness of child of the living God, we can have the strength and the authority and the security do us because of what Jesus has done. You see the gospel, it corrects our perspective and it recenters our heart. So are you doomed to to have hunger? You will have hunger. But what are you hungering for? You see, your bodies were made for worship. The question is, who And what will you worship? So are you doomed? No, you're not. You're faced with a choice. Who is it that I will assign worth to? What is it that I will worship? The gospel of Matthew records Jesus's words. He says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do you hunger for righteousness? Have you recentered your heart away from the things of this culture that says, listen, it's your body. Do with it what you want. You're hungry, feed it. It's your body. Do what you want with it. 
you to a place where you realize that you're a steward of this one and only body and that you'll choose to hunger and thirst for righteousness because it's only in that moment that you'll be satisfied. If you want satisfaction, if you want peace everlasting. So I want to challenge you as we conclude this series this morning. We can come together and and we're going to have a, a, a really cool ending this morning and we'll talk more about that we could just really have a a cool church service or we could have, as I prayed, an encounter with the living God. And we can leave this place forever changed as a result of what it is that's been spoken, Not, not because I have spoken it, but because I believe the God of heaven loves you enough to speak to you this morning. And so I believe the text requires something from us that we can't just read through this text and just say, yeah, sounds good. And so I want to challenge you with something as you leave here this morning or as you sit, as we go into a time of worship in a couple moments. I want to ask you to consider this question. Who will you talk to about your unhealthy appetite? We need accountability. It'd be real easy to say, oh, I get it. I get it. Okay, God, I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what I want. I want more of you, God. The problem is there's this unhealthy appetite you have. And so at what point do you you say to someone, hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. You see, because what Paul's talking about here, he goes back and forth from singular to plural, singular to plural. And the reason in the original Greek, the reason why is because he's saying this is for you, this is for us corporately. This is for you, this is for us corporately. And he's trying to say, listen, flee sexual, sexual immorality individually and corporately. Listen, you, you have hunger individually, we have hunger corporately. Let's lean in. So will we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Will we be willing to look at someone else and say, listen, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And it's because it's attached to my desire for approval, I think. So I want to challenge you this morning to create some accountability. Who will you talk to about your unhealthy appetite? Write down a name, write down a date. I got to talk to them this. Maybe it's on the way home today to a spouse. Say, listen, I'm struggling with this and I, I need some help. I don't know what your application is. I don't pretend to be the Holy Spirit, but I believe the God of heaven wants you to leave this place having had a profound impact and interaction with him. And the way that that becomes available is when we desire to make ourselves available and say, okay, God, do what you want with us. And so maybe application this morning for you looks like uh, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've attended a church, maybe you've attended this church for a while, you've never actually said, I want Jesus to be the Lord and leader of my life. I want to worship him only. I wanna begin that relationship. If that's you this morning, it's as easy as praying a prayer. Just in the quietness of your mind to be able to say, okay, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I realize that you paid the price that I deserve. I want you to come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Will you forgive me my sin? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's your application. And if it is, I'd love to have a conversation with you afterwards to talk to you about the steps involved to continue to grow in that for a majority of us in this room, the application is to repent. It's to repent. You see, because repenting is not apologizing to God. We've perverted repentance into, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But repentance is saying, I am no longer going to submit myself to that idol 
and worship this thing. I am going to instead turn and worship God. And so this morning we have the opportunity to worship the Lord. We're going to worship him in song. We're going to worship him through giving. We're going to worship him through communion even as we bring this series to a close. And I'm going to tell you more about that. But if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I'm just doing that so you're not distracted. The worship team's going to make their way up. And as they come up with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to consider what is it that you've been hungering for? You already know. Maybe it is food. Maybe it's one of the examples I gave. Maybe it's an example I didn't give, but the Holy Spirit whispered it to you. I want to challenge you this morning to lay that down. And and it's all so easy in our mindset to say, I'm just going to, I'm going to change. I'm just going to stop hungering for it. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work. If you want freedom from the thing you hunger, you have to replace it with something that actually satisfies. And the way you replace that idol is to put Jesus right in the center of it. Say, man, if I'm searching, if I'm engaged in that because I'm, because I'm searching for approval, God, why is your approval not enough for me? Have you considered that this morning? Why is God's approval not enough? Why is it that the strength that God provides doesn't feel strong enough to you? What lie are you believing this morning? 